0: I'm so happy to see everyone here today. Whew. I don't know about y'all, but I have enjoyed the study of Acts. It's uh, definitely changed the way I look at church. And uh, as we have gone through Acts, we can definitely see how much the church has grown. You know, we've seen uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, resting upon the apostles, giving them uh, powers we can only dream of. We've seen and heard Paul's first sermon, and it was, it was a doozy, and it changed lives. We've seen the, the conversion of thousands who started to believe in Christ, and what he had done for them. We've seen the uh, devoted followers committed to prayer and to each other. We've also seen miracles, and we also have seen persecution. All these things we have studied so far, and we're going to continue studying in Acts, and we're going to see how God is growing the church and strengthening the church. So if you will join me in prayer, we'll get started. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise your name. And we come before you, Lord, I pray with humble hearts, open to what you have to say to us open to see where you need to lead us and open to the ways that we need to change. Lord, I pray that as we learn more about you, that we, uh, we cannot remain the same. Once we hear your word and your will, Lord, that we are compelled To move forward with you. Lord I pray that you empty me. So that you may fill me. And that I. Overflow with your love. Your grace. Your mercy. That people see you. In the words. That come out. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the church. In your name we pray. Amen. Over this past week, I did a little survey with some friends here at church and some uh, people at work. Um, I did refrain from asking strangers on the street. But it's not a very scientific survey. But I asked some people, what are some words you would use to describe God, the characteristics of God? And I want to share with you some of the things I have heard. I've heard that God is holy. I've heard that God is love. i heard that God is gracious. He is eternal. He is never changing. That he is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. uh, I'm not going to even try to say it. (laughs) That he's a triune God, three in one. That he is righteous, he is sovereign, and that he is truth. Those were probably the most popular answers that I got. Then I got a few that were a little less positive or more popular, I should say, and they were God is a consuming fire, God is just, God is wrath, and God is a judge. And judge is kind of what we're going to be looking at today in the verses that we will be reading. You know, these last terms, consuming fire, just, the wrath of God, and judge, we tend to place a negative connotation on these things. Here in America, we t- like to be positive. We are always looking for the good and, and trying to keep our spirits up. These other ones, we tend to look a little, uh, with a little bit of a negative light. I hope today you walk away seeing these things in a positive light because these things definitely show the love of God and the love he he has for us. So if you want to open your Bibles, if you have the nice little Acts, I like this one, it's a little easier to read for me. Uh, if you don't, we should have it on the screens, and we're going to read uh, Acts five one through eleven to start out with. Now you remember, as uh, the church has been growing, and at the end of chapter four, we heard about Joseph, Joseph who they called Barnabas, and what he was do, what he had done, and selling some land and laying the proceeds at the feet of uh, the uh, Apostle Peter. Well, apparently uh, some people saw that. They got an idea that this would be a good thing to do. And we're going to read a little bit about a certain couple and what happened to them. But a man named, named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose, wrapped him up, and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, Tell her whether you saw, tell me whether you sold this land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, "How is it that you agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard of these things. So here's a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira. And they saw what Jonas had done. And that seemed pretty cool. And together, they planned to deceive the church for personal gain. And in verses 3 and 4, you can see when uh, Ananias had laid down this offering, this proceeds that they agreed upon at Peter's feet, yeah, I imagine he was expecting hey, that's fantastic, that's good, great job, we really can use this. He was expecting accolades. He was expecting to be held up in front of the church, just like Joseph. He wanted to be known as a Barnabas just like him. And yet instead, he was rebuked. He wasn't rebuked because of the gift. He wasn't rebuked because of the amount of the size of the gift. But he is rebuked because of the heart that he gave it in. He did not do it to achieve what God was planning. He did not do it to please God. He did it for himself and his wife. Satan had influenced his thinking and his heart to allow him to uh, take part of this. And in verse 5, Ananias received what his due for this. And it's what we all deserve. Because we're all sinners. He breathed his last. He let his sin separate him and his wife from God's will and God's work. You know, many Christians today, we live in a constant fear of being found out we allow ourselves to be compromised by this world and by Satan there's things and secrets we have that we don't want to get out we would prefer for them to stay hidden and yet God, had, God knows God sees and it will come out at the least opportune time. So, his secret was out. He was, uh, he was greedy. And uh, really probably not a very good husband because he had uh, talked his wife into helping him out. And here she comes back in to speak with Peter, and Peter asked her, hey, I know y'all sold the land, is this what you sold it for? And she agreed, yes, that is, that is what it is. And then this next verse, this, on this verse it says, and this, this speaks to me as a husband, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? You know, we don't know what kind of marriage these two people had, Ananias and Sophia, Sapphira. We don't know if it was a good or bad marriage. We don't know if they argued or all the time or if they agreed all the time. But what we do know is that they agreed together to deceive the Lord, to deceive the church. You know, married couples, especially Christian married couples, we have a responsibility to keep each other from sin and to refuse to participate in a sin together. For God will hold us each accountable. And here together, they, they committed this. You know, it's easy today to gloss over the holiness of God, to forget that He is righteous and pure And that he hates sin wholeheartedly. And the particular sin of hypocrisy, hypocrisy, in the church at this time was dealt with swiftly and decisively. You know, the church, as a church, we are the bride of Christ. We are the ones that he he loves He protects. He died for. Not only did he die for, he lives for us today. And a marriage between a man and a woman is a reflection of the relationship that Christ has with the church. But that's a totally another sermon. I'm not going to get into that. The sudden and dramatic deaths of Ananias and Sapphira, they served to purify and warn the church. Because in verse 11 it says, great fear seized the church. Now, by saying great fear seized the church, I don't believe that they were scared. I don't think they were frightened. I think when you fear the Lord... What that means is you have the wisdom to know that he is holy, sovereign, and that God deserves respect. We should not be trying to deceive, to test God, but we should be willing to serve and follow him instead. Ananias and Sapphira did not have this attitude. And they paid for it with their very lives. And in Romans chapter 2, verses 6-10, through 10, it discusses this very thing. He says in verse 6, He will render to each one according to his works. To those who, by patience and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does the evil. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. So what they were doing for themselves and not for God and the deceit that they perpetrated upon the church and upon Peter was uh blown up, shown, and dealt with and that leads to the effect of this judgment. It seems really kind of harsh, but it was necessary at the time and the position of the church you know and it starts in verse it starts in verse eleven like we were just talking about. Great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard of these things. And really, it's interesting, this is the first time that this group of believers were called the church. Yeah, I was talking to my wife about this and she would say, well, what does the church mean? In the Jewish connotation of church, It basically means of the Israelites who followed God's will, who were doing his work and following his direction. So in the Old Testament, that's what that would mean. In the New Testament, that would mean those who follow Christ and try to emulate him. That is the church. We are the church. We say we're building a new church. We're building a place to have church. We're building a place for the church to meet and fellowship, to grow and walk along beside each other. So I found that really interesting. Now we're going to continue on and see what this judgment on Ananias and Sapphira has done to the church. In verse 12 it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people, also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So, you would think, hearing that some followers were struck dead but because of their deceit, some people would probably try to Distance themselves. I see the exact opposite. I think the apostles were looked at differently than they were before. I think they were shown more respect. And they were held with great regard, as it says. And a little bit of fear, probably. The Holy Spirit, it was said, was manifest in them. I think about at, at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was on them and you could visibly see the presence of the Spirit on them. It was physically and verbally shown. It's amazing. And apparently it was still very much in them. This movement that I think the Jewish leaders would like to see dissipate and burn out was gathering strength. It went from a movement, movement to something legitimate. In verse 14, it talks about more and more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women. So much that the spirit manifest in the early church. People would just hope that the shadow of Peter would fall upon their sick in hopes that they would be healed. And when you read the scripture, apparently it happened. That's something I would love to have. I would love to have the Spirit so full in me that people would want just to be around me because of the Spirit. Not anything of me, but because of the Spirit and the Spirit inside of me. And they came from all around Jerusalem bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. So it specifically says not only were the physically ill healed but also the spiritually ill. I find that significant. We talk about miracles and saying The lame walk and the blind see, and how miraculous that is. And yet we fail to see the miracle of a heart and a life changed so many times, to see someone that was walking towards death to turn and walk towards life. And that was what was happening in this new in this early church. Um I have a few things I'd like to read. They're not my words. Uh, they are somebody else's, but I thought they are really tied up with this part of Acts 5. is talking about. This incident involving Ananias and Sophia helped establish the apostles' authority in the church. They fell dead at Peter's feet. And Peter knew of the secret sin and had the authority to pronounce judgment in the church because of the Holy Spirit. If the hypocrisy of Ananias and Sapphira had succeeded in fooling Peter, it would have severely damaged the apostles' authority. And the story of Ananias and Sapphira is not some obscure incident from the Old Testament regarding a violation of Mosaic law, but occurred in the first century church to believers in Jesus Christ and serves as a reminder today that God sees the heart, that he hates the sin, and that he is concerned for the purity of his church. In Revelations, he talks to the church of Thyatira and told them all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. You know, uh, when I look out here, I see all of you. I think about the love I have for all of you out here. Those that's in my small group, those that I've served with in, in children's, those I have just talked with in the foyer. And it's just, it's amazing to me To see what God has done to my heart, to where I feel a responsibility to share with you and in your lives to walk with you in this journey in knowing God and knowing Christ. And to me, that's what church is all about: is to uh, taking each other by the hand in the times that one of us falters there's several hands holding them up. And when you falter, there are people there to hold you up. And we see here, when you try to mock God, God's not going to put up with it. Because we think, oh my gosh, a sin is a sin, and they sinned, and they died. I sin all the time. Their hearts were deceit. They were deceived. And they sought to deceive. And I truly believe that we try to be refined by God. So that the things inside of us that aren't conducive to God's plan, to God's will, to hold Him up, to serve Him, to show love His love to others, That makes our hearts more open and palatable to what his plan is and to his hands. And their hearts were not. As a church, I challenge us, myself included, what parts of you do you keep secret? What parts of you do you not want known? Search out your heart Seek what these are. Lay them before God. Lay them before his feet. That is an offering I believe would be pleasing to him for you to lay those weaknesses, those inadequacies at his feet so that he can heal your heart and heal you and make use of you in serving him if you don't know god this is a mighty god that we serve he knows our hearts his word is powerful and i i implore you to seek out his his word to seek out someone here and talk to them about that and what God really means to to us. And that I pray that that, uh, your heart will be changed. If you will join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, you are so mighty. And you are a consuming fire. And Lord, I pray that our lives are lived out on a threshing floor where we will be pulled, pushed, beaten and flayed, and then thrown up in the air and thrown around and the parts of us that are of no use to you and be blown away so that we may serve you and enjoy the intimacy of the relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for this family, the love that we share, and the love that we have through you and through your son. In your name I pray. Amen.